This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, hello, everybody. It is already the 23rd of January. Time just needs to slow down. Okay. My name is Patricia W. Fisher, and I am your host of Readers Entertainment Radio. And I'm super excited for all of the new authors we're going to bring on the show this year. We're going to have contemporary, uh, obviously a few romance authors. We're going to have some paranormal. We're going to have some nonfiction. We're going to have some poets. We're going to have, I mean, just like tons of fun stuff. Hallmark authors, all sorts of fun, fabulous wonderful creative types that tell beautiful stories and are able to put beautiful sentences together. So we're super excited about that. It is Thor's Day, like it always is for Readers Entertainment Radio. So wherever you are, Chris Hemsworth, we're thinking of you, and you're always welcome to come on the show. Um, And in just a few minutes, we're going to have an author come on the show. Her name is Abigail Owen, and Abigail grew up consuming books and exploring the world through her writing. She attempted to find a practical career, um, with <laughs> to relate it to her favorite pastime of earning an, a degree in English rhetoric, technical writing. However, she swiftly discovered that writing without imagination is nearly not as fun as writing with it. Ten plus years later, she finished her first book, and Abigail is now a multi-award winning author who has written 30 novels, novellas, and short stories under two and soon to be three pen names with more to come. She is also the owner and operator of Authors on a Dime, a company which provides services to help authors like herself. Abigail loves every part of the publishing journey and considers herself damn lucky to be living out her dream every day. You can follow her on her website, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Her newest book, The Rogue King, is out now, and she's going to call in in just a second. Um, And it's a whole new supernatural world, uh, especially for dragon. It's a dragon shifter book, and so I'm, you know, kind of digging this, um, that uh, she's going to talk to us about it today, about how she builds those worlds, how she... Um, finds the time to write and juggle everything else in her life. So um, as soon as she gets here, we will talk, <laughs> we will uh, ask her all of those fabulous questions. Um, in the meantime, um, we are always looking for authors to come on the show and as well as talk about uh, books they love and books they've written. So if you are an author and want to come on the show and talk to me a little bit about that, it's relatively painless. All you have to do is um, sit there and talk to me and we, you know, you can drink coffee or whatever uh, as you're, uh, as we're discussing things. And that's always fun just to kind of have someone who truly appreciates and understands someone's love for books and writing and everything else. So um, Abigail will be with us in a minute. I know this sounds terrible because it sounds like we're just kind of, um, buying time because she should be calling in any second we started a little bit earlier than what we anticipated so um, i'm hoping that she will give us a shout here in just a minute in the meantime i wanted to mention a few books that will be coming out in the next few weeks so go pick them up so we have got let me grab my handy dandy um calendar for this so you've got a few books coming out next month, and one of them that I've been super excited about is uh, called The Worst Best Man by Mia Sosa. Um, it is, it looks hysterical. It looks, it's a wonderful romance. Uh, the Kissing Game by Marie Hart 
from source books. And then you've got Postscript, Cecile Ahern, and then also The Wedding Assistant is coming out. Chasing Cassandra um, is coming out by Lisa Kleipas. And then The Inconvenient Deuce by Duke by Anna Harrington will also be out next month. And then you also have A Cowboy to Remember by Rebecca Weatherspoon. And if you've not seen that cover, wow, it is hot. So get it and pick it up. And the Solids Grounds Coffee Company. Um, I'm actually a big coffee lover, so I'm totally looking forward to that. We also have Sasha Summers and Terry Wilson coming up in the next few weeks. And then I am also working on um, this really lovely um, – young man. I'm hoping to bring him on the show here. He actually won the um, Independent uh, Book Award like for all books. And he wrote this book of poetry. It's called, and his name is Fernando Rover Jr. And he's actually from here in San Antonio. And his book is just a, a beautiful list of poems that he wrote. And we, I am talking to him about coming on the show next month. So I think that he will be um, a lovely, um, a lovely guest. He's just been wonderful to talk to um, online and everything else. And so I'm looking forward to it. But in the meantime, as we're waiting for that, um, we have Miss Abigail Owen or Katie Scott on the line. So how are you today, Miss Abigail? Good. Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, I was talking to everyone and telling them about your Rogue King, which is the, the new book coming out for your Paranormal series. Um, mm -hmm. And so tell me why paranormal? Well, um, I guess because I've always loved paranormal, believe it or not. So I was that kid yeah. that read like every Star Wars book that ever came out, which is more sci-fi than paranormal really, but, um, and the Lord of the Rings. So I was into fantasy and I didn't realize, and then I've, I read romance my entire life. And um, starting okay. with, you know, my mom had like shelves of them and, when she noticed me getting interested at about the age of 10, she wrote what age I was allowed to ride, read each book on the inside cover. Oh, nice. And, yeah. and I didn't realize until Twilight, believe it or not, that that people wrote them combined with paranormal and romance. And I was like, what? This is out there? Because let's be honest, you know, the the Lord of the Rings and even Star Wars to a certain extent and, and those, they don't. They don't really focus on the romance. <laughs> you might get like a little no. bit, but never yeah. enough for me. So um, that's that's when I was like, oh, then there's tons. <laughs> that's how I got started. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how um, I've talked to so many people, on, and they say, well, romance is just romance. I'm like, no, it's no, like no, an no. umbrella over about yep. 50 different other umbrellas. Um, and they say people that's right. They they write that. I'm like, well, don't people fall in love in every yeah in every of the, culture of the earth? In every, seriously, <laughs> yeah, and in all forms of imagination. Like that tends to be in my world at least a central theme of life. Like the people that you love surrounding yourself with that. Yeah, and it's, you know that's kind of how it goes in real the real world. So, and it's you true. know, speaking of that, you it's the whole process of because I know a lot of people think. And I've talked to a bunch of writers about it. They're all like, well, I do have an idea for paranormal, but, man, the world building is huge. That is my favorite I mean, part, though. Is it? And I, 
Oh, totally, totally. I can completely lose. In fact, they have to dial me back. And frequently my editor has to be like, no, you've written four books already in this series. You've established these things about the world and you can't like <laughs> explode it out even bigger. And I'm like, but why not? And come on, and we I all don't want to find it. it. <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? And I don't find it as intimidating in paranormal as I do say in historical where, because this is my imagination, I can make it whatever I want. And nobody gets to argue sure. it is my world. Whereas, like, with historical right. or if you're writing about a specific culture, especially if it's not your own, the amount of mm-hmm. research that needs to go into that and the kind of, especially with historical, marrying that with modern-day sensibilities so that it still feels modern but is accurate and, and people can be so nitpicky and persnickety, those would intimidate me, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. I read them yeah. first, but I don't know that I could write one because they would intimidate me so much. Whereas paranormal, it's like, I get to just go and I'm not constrained by the current, like with, I write contemporary as well. And I, I'll tell you right now, I, I feel more constrained with those because I have to stick to the human rules. <laughs> right. Yeah, they can do anything they want in this other world. And yeah. I mean, but you have to be consistent within your own world. So, I mean, how do you, how far out do you plot? You know, if you say oh. I'm going to write three books in a series, you know, how far do you pull that thread for making sure the world is stable and then building on top of it? Um, so I'm finding that I do it more and more for the entire series. The Dragon series with the Rogue King and – I have not only that, because that's a four-book series, but there's a concurrent series called Fire's Edge that is all ebook, and it's released every other one. So there, a Fire's Edge book comes out, and then an Inferno Rising, and they're all in the same dragon world. And, okay. And so I had to basically plot out, and not major plot points, but for every character that I name that's going to show up in most of the books, I have what yeah. they're doing in every single one of those books. Okay. on a spreadsheet so that I, I don't forget a character so that their character journey continues forward. So there's that piece of it. For me, the characters are actually almost more important um, than, than the world building necessarily. Because to me, the world building is the framework that you set up to let your characters play in. So to me, it's the character development that I really have to plot out. Now, when I first started, I wrote a book not realizing I was going to make it a series. <laughs> and, okay. and then had okay. written myself into corners <laughs> that way. And <laughs> so, yeah, I learned from that mistake to at least plot out all the books in the series that I think I'm going to write. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's hard because, you know, as much as readers will fall in love with your characters, whether, you know, it's a contemporary series or paranormal, they will hold you to that, that truth in that world. They absolutely do, and, and it's almost scarier with the later books, especially if they've particularly fallen in love with a specific character, because then I'm going up against expectations. I think that's honestly why a lot of these more recent Star Wars movies have failed, is because there's such specific fan expectations you're not going to please the fans. Um, whereas, like, right. Rogue One had no expectations, because while there was a vague reference to that in the original movies, there wasn't any major world building around it or and none of the characters were in any of the rest of the movies and you know so like there were no expectations and I think that's why people like that movie so much better than most of the rest of the new ones that come out so that expectation yeah. is tricky 
It is. And, 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 you know, and you're right. You know, you're not going to please everyone. And some people are going to be like, no, no kissing. And other people are like, why aren't we developing this relationship? And, you know, because yeah. it, it's normal. It would be normal. I, I, it was funny because one of my daughters was talking about how the Jedi are flawed. I mean, she loves the Jedi. But she was saying this mm-hmm. is flawed because you just can't be on your own your entire life. I mean, you can't yeah. walk away from everything. It's not and realistic. And live in a bubble and, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's not, you just don't do that. I mean, people need people around them, like you're saying, to, yeah. you know, love them and take care of them and make sure they got their back. And so, yeah, yeah it's it's very interesting, the the thought of, you know, you should be able to you know, completely shut down everything. And it's like, yeah, no, that's yeah. not, and that's not fun at all. Save people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I found that it's, was not one of my favorite pieces of the character building in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not going to work. So, um, And so you also write contemporary romance. And you I do. had something that come out recently from Tule, correct? Yeah. Tule Publishing. So that was um, the fifth and final book in my cowboy contemporary romance series. They all follow the um, a family called The Hills, and it's each sibling uh-huh. from the family. Um, and so this is the final book, The Carters, the only girl in the family, her story. And um, I had a ton of fun writing those because I live in Texas. I, um, I didn't grow up on a ranch, but I grew up with lots of ranch and friends and um, just love the kind of the mythology of the cowboy because obviously reality <laughs> is kind of a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I just love the, the you know, honest, um, sexy, hardworking, with lots of muscles, cowboys. And so those, those were a ton of fun to write. I, I love doing those. And those are on the steamy side under my Kate right. Scott name. And then actually I'm about to go into sweet romance, sweet contemporary okay. um, with a third pen name. Cause I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> because yeah, poor, poor life yeah. decisions on my part, but <laughs> actually what it is is I well, just I love mean, all shades of romance and I want to write them all is what it comes down well, to. And, and, and that's a good question that someone might be listening going, well, why would you have a bunch of pen names if you're willing to talk about that? You're all these people. Why, mm-hmm. why would you make up different pen names for you? Yeah, what, what's the answer? It's a good question. And originally, I split out the two pen names because paranormal and contemporary were different enough. My, my uh, publisher at the time was like, no, we, we want them to be separate. And I was like, all right. Mm. And then when Sweet came into the mix, um, I will say that Sweet readers, almost more than anybody else, are very particular about that's all they want is Sweet, for the most part. I read both, but for the most part, mm-hmm. they tend to be very particular. And if they start an author that they love and it's sweet, and then they happen to get one of their steamies, they will mm-hmm. rip that author to shreds frequently. And so mm. wanting to make sure that I'm communicating exactly what you're going to get is why I went with multiple pen names. If Whichever pen name of mine you get, um, I'm very open about, hey, there's these others if you read everything like I do. Um, but right. you know exactly what you're getting with this pain name versus this pain name. Nice. Well, and I think that's also true. I've, I've seen a lot of um, authors that will um, sit there and they'll, they'll write under this name for this, and then they'll have a kid series. Well, it's a totally different name because, you know, yeah. of course you don't want the well, crossover. Well, especially with kids, yeah, absolutely. You don't want to be mm-hmm. bringing them over into the, into the adult world yet. Right. Um, the, the, uh, one of the few people I see that does this well, and he's, he's got in both, and I think they're enough different that people obviously know it's not, you know, the crossover. Brad Meltzer has a whole espionage series. 
and mm-hmm. he's a thriller writer. And then he's got this kid series, but it's ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And he's got these wonderful, and they're, but they're brilliantly cool. illustrated. And so cool. he's got, you know, Amelia Earhart and Rosa Parks and Abraham Lincoln and all these different characters, Lucille Ball and, and George Washington and Martin Luther King. And I mean, so he's got all these different ones. And then, so, but it's obvious. You know, yeah, it's Brad Meltzer, yeah. but it's, there's like a, it's an animated character on the front. I mean, it's not yeah. the same as his other kind of, you know, no one's going to mess that up. Um, yeah, exactly. Which is exactly. Nice. And <laughs> mine, probably, you can tell the difference between the Sweet and Steamy and the Steamy tend to have the couple on the cover. My Sweet, mm-hmm. not as much. The titles might give it away, maybe. But I also get reviews about my Steamy contemporaries that are like, for a sweet and easy read, and I'm like, it is sweet. It's family-based, right, And mm-hmm. since it's following mm-hmm. this whole family. But there are open-door sex scenes in there. Right. So that's, you know, that's not sweet technically. Right. Well, and it's funny because I have a, a good friend of mine, Tara West, and she was talking about how she had gotten these reviews, and one of them was terrible reviews. Um, and one of them was, there was so much sex in this book, I couldn't finish it. Was one of them, and so she actually wow. used that as one of as as one of her um, selling points, uh, like her selling points. So yep. she was like, "Don't buy this book. It's got so much sex. Readers can't finish it." And uh, she sold a ton of books because <laughs> yeah, we're like, "Oh yeah, smart. well, you know, <laughs> totally Thank down for yeah, that." My opinion is there's no bad review. Somebody right. read that book. You, and somebody else might want yeah. to see what they mean by, well, what do you mean to sex? All right. <laughs> because for some people, that's just open door f- at all. I mean, anything. Yeah. Um, and for others, it's, um, you know, fine. So it, it's, yeah, it's, it's very interesting what readers want and what they don't want. And, and I've always found, it and is. I'm sure you've seen this being at, at signings, you just don't know looking at someone what they're going to yeah. want in a book. No idea. Oh. And I also find it interesting at signings that there tend to be, I don't know why it is, but I'll go to one signing. Usually I have, you know, both sets of my books there on the table. I'll be like, do you want paranormal? And they're like, no. And I'm like, what about cowboys? And they're like, oh, yes. And and at a given signing, I'll have, I'll sell all my cowboys and not a single paranormal. And at the next one, it's all my paranormal and nobody wants cowboys. And I'm like, I just give mm-hmm. up. <laughs> yeah. Guessing you don't know. What people are going to want. Yeah. You don't know, and and it's and it's just it's funny, you know. People are like, oh no, and even just walking up, you can have some really, you know, nine-year-old woman with a walker walking up to you, all straight-laced grandma, and yep. she's like, I'll take the sexy one, you know. You don't yeah, know. Yeah, give me the erotica. Yeah, okay, <laughs> awesome. Sure. Well, I got grandma, say, whatever you want. <laughs> I gotta say, because I read everything, that's great for me yeah. because it means people are out there writing everything. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's just it's fun to see, you know, the variety. I, I, every time I walk into Barnes & Noble, I'm just like, where do I start? You know, where, yeah, but just so many, so many choices. It's like a junkie. It's like, oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and for the longest husband, time as I was growing like, up. No more books. Seriously, my husband does that too. He's like, you're on a, on a budget, woman. And, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> I don't need to eat this month. It's fine. Reading is more important. That's right. I'll just have sandwiches. I'm good. That's fine. Yeah, we're good. Tuna, ramen. I did it in college. Yep. Made me skinnier than I am now, so let's let's go with that. (laughs) Solid work. We got it. Um, So when you were growing up, I mean, what were some of your 
favorite authors when you were growing up? Like you were just like, because I know that sometimes I talk to my kids and I'm and I'd say I'll say, yeah, I remember the time when we had to wait like a year and a half for a book to come out, and they're just like mortified. So, um, you know, what were some of your favorites? You know, I was spread all over the place, and and because let's see, I'm trying to think. And as a kid, so as a kid, I was hugely into the Black Stallion books, which were all written okay. they were then. And, and I still own that full series. It's falling apart because I read them cover to cover so many times. Um, but yeah, I still have them. And oh gosh, I'm trying to think. Of course, I read all the kind of the teeny bopper ones like the Sweet Valley Highs, and sure. and and those came out practically monthly. They were practically serial. Um, ones. Then I got, mm-hmm. my mom was an English teacher, so I hit all the classics. You know, Little Women is one of my favorites of all time. But again, I'm not going right. to wait for any given author. <clears throat> In high school, I really got into, I mentioned the Star Wars books. I got into the Timothy Zahn, um, the Thrawn series of Star Wars books. And yeah. then that was kind of one of the first Star Wars continuation series to come out in books. And um, and then right about the time I finished that series, a ton more books came out. There was one on, like, the Rogue Squadron, and there was one on um, the Jedi Academy and, like, all of these. And so I just got into reading anything that came out that had Star Wars on the cover, basically. Yeah. Um, so I guess you wrote uh, – you read Splinter in the Mind's Eye and all those. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Those two, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. in fact, was like, why didn't they just take the Thrawn series and make <laughs> the continuation movies out of that? They already had the right. printer, printer. And so I found, I found that very interesting. And then in the romance space, I am, like I said, my mom had all those books, and almost all of hers were historical. And so it's authors that a lot of people don't recognize the names anymore, like Jane Smith, because um, it's from like the 80s and, and 70s. And then I yeah. really got into used bookstores. And so, again, I've got all these all, – I've got tons from like – Carrie Allen and Dorothy Cork, and these are all 70s and 60s writers because that's what I could find in the used bookstores section. Right. And then um, at Barnes & Noble, uh, for a long time, I couldn't get into the thicker romances. They were just too long. I needed something I can read in like two hours, and so I would just go straight to that end cap with the Harlequins and grab my monthly, you know, six books and walk right up to them. Right. Yeah, and so I read anything that came out of those. Wow. Now I read. I think the first time, yeah, oh, just everything. And that's always yeah. what's fun about going to writers' conferences because you come back with all these books and it's just like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. I have an extra yep. suitcase. <laughs> exactly. Um, I have to take an extra small suitcase just so I can bring back all the books. Yeah. And it's sad because, you know, I do I – do, um, a local TV segment, and so monthly for books. So I always need books to put in the bags. And yep. I come home, and, and the past several years when I've gone to nationals, it's been um, I just ship them back. And yep. so I'm always so. so excited when that big box shows up at my Ooh. doorstep. Of course, my husband's just looking at me like, oh. I was like, they're going well, away. I'm pretty sure yeah, I'm going to give most of them away. Sure. <laughs> at least pretty some sure. of these are not going to end up in our household. Yeah. Not for ever, <laughs> just for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know though. I'm a rereader. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I've read. Let's see. A Knight in Shining Armor by Jude Devereaux. I'm pretty sure I've read that about four times. Yeah. And I've read all of the Judith McNaught books at least twice. 
Um, Mine was the Joanna Lindsay book. Uh huh. I've read. Yeah. I mean, all of them, multiple, multiple times. And I read Rebecca Zanetti over and over. All of her books are fantastic. Mm -hmm. And she's more in the paranormal space. Who else? And lately, uh, also um, Laura Temple. Okay. Love her. Cool. Put that down. I, that's what's so fun about it, because whenever I and you do it too, I'm sure, because as much of a reader as you are, as you go to stores, you're like, oh, this is a new author to me. I, I yeah, well, who's this? You know, I love that. Well, I actually Always love judging for contests for the same reason, because it it puts new authors that I wouldn't necessarily have been on my radar or seen, and um, especially in this world of indies, and there's just so many books that come out in a, in a, a given month. I mean, so many. And so um, I, I love finding readers or our, our new authors through that. I will say that my reading has slowed down significantly since becoming a writer. And yeah. I don't know if you found this. I've become, to, well, to, for two reasons. I've become much pickier. I used to be able to read anything, and as long as I had a, a happily ever after, I did not care how it was written or how the character, mm-hmm. characters felt. But now that... Now that that's all in my head and it's something that I'm looking at so closely in my own writing, I'm much pickier about it, and so that makes it harder. But I also find that my time is, I don't know. I'm also, you know, I'm a mom. I'm in my 40s. I've got responsibilities and all that stuff that goes along with that. And so (laughs) it was much easier to read a lot in my 20s and teens. (laughs) So, I mean, and let's talk about that a little bit. So you just, you reading and reading and reading, and then Mm -hmm. you... Um, say, I'm going to write a book someday. What was the catalyst? You know, I had been uh, writing, trying to write books that entire time. I, for probably 20 years, I think I started 25, 30 books, and, and they were all contemporary romances. And okay. Kind of along the lines of the, you know, the Harlequins that I read so much. And um, with each one, I learned a little bit more, and I got a little further but something about page 100, I would just be like, I don't know how to, what to do. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like the middle of the book, and the middle of the book still gets me stuck frequently where I'm like, oh, okay, how do I connect this? And, right. And it wasn't until I, I read those Twilight books and then discovered that paranormal romance was a thing, and my first child was born, and I was on maternity leave, and I was like, I'll write a book, and it just poured out of me. And Wow. It was one of those things where, like, within six weeks, I'd finished the book. Mm. And was like, oh, I finished it. And just (laughs) just went back to work and happened to be, I think I had my second child, happened to be working, like, a 60-hour work week job, was getting my MBA. My kids were, like, two and four, and decided that would be a great time to pull that book out of the cobwebs find an editor and self-publish that thing. <laughs> oh, for sure. That's a beautiful time to do all that because time Lord knows to, you don't yeah. have enough to do. <laughs> exactly. And so it, it kind of started with that. And then from there, I, it's almost like when you run a marathon the first time and then it's like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. And just the finishing yeah. no longer becomes daunting. Now it's finishing it with... You know, then it turned into finishing it with so many words on the page, and then it was with these things that I'd learned from workshops or from editors or whoever incorporated, and then it was, let's see if I can finish, because I used to write it in chunks completely out of order, just whatever scene came to me, and now I write it from beginning to end. I was totally a pantser, and now I'm a plotter. Yeah. So, who knew? Yeah, and I think there, there comes a point, you know, especially that first book, nobody knows you exist. 
right? And you, you, yeah. know, you could write that first book for 20 years if you wanted. Um, oh, yeah. But once that first book exists and you get that contract and then people read your characters, it, the pressure is on. I mean, there's no, you know, ah, maybe I'll write this thing today. You know, it's, it's – Absolutely. They want your stuff. Um, i got to say um, – that, you know, all those writing teams out there where you have multiple authors under one pen name and they come out with a book a month added mm-hmm. to that pressure. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love reading mm-hmm. those. I love reading those. But then suddenly, you know, six months to a year between books and readers weren't remembering that you existed because it's been so long since you had your last book out. And, right. And that, that adds to the pressure. Absolutely. Yeah. To keep, to keep going. So, I mean, you started as an, in, you started as an indie, correct? Mm-hmm. Or did, I did, okay. yeah. And then, and then you um, have so you're a hybrid now because you have I'm both hybrid. traditional published and then an indie. So, what made you want to get traditional, a traditional deal as well? Well, so I had started out indie mostly because I didn't know if I was a good enough writer, and so my theory was I'll put one book out there, see what total strangers say about it. Because, they're, okay. you know, unlike my family, they're not going to lie to me. <laughs> and if that yeah. was good enough, then maybe I'll keep going and we'll see how it goes. And because um, I had looked at um, the process for getting traditionally published, and it, to, to me, that was going to take too long to figure out that I was or was not a good writer. <laughs> um, okay. Whereas by self-publishing, I was able to get that feedback pretty much immediately. And um, and it, the reviews came back positive, so I was like, oh, maybe I can try this, you know, gig. And But in my head, I thought that if you were traditionally published, you'd get a lot more help with visibility and with, obviously, on the indie side, you're paying for everything. You're paying for your editor. You're mm-hmm. paying for your book cover. Now, luckily, I do book cover design, so that helped. Um, but I still had to pay quite a bit of money for an editor. And then, of course, paying for all the marketing, and I don't have – um, I didn't have reach. I didn't have like a, a built-in audience, whereas a lot of publishers have kind right. of a built-in audience. And I thought that will help. And so that's why I ended up going through the traditional route. What I found at first, and this is not as true anymore, was that um, it absolutely helps in terms of, you know, the book cover and the packaging and making sure it's a well, really well-edited book, et cetera. Um, and some publishers, more than others, certainly help with absolutely with finding audiences or they'll help with marketing and, and that kind of thing, and that's fantastic. Um, I do love that part of it. But at first, at least, the publishers didn't move fast enough for me. I'm a fast writer. Mm-hmm. And I would get really frustrated with, like, I turned this book in a year ago and it's still not out. <laughs> like, what, right. uh, yeah. what the heck? That is less of a problem now because I have such a pipeline that I'm like, yeah, I wrote it a year ago, but the book that I wrote the year before that is coming out and the book before that. And, you know, so like now there's a decent pipeline and I don't like the timing doesn't bother me as much, but I still love the indie side of things where I get total control over everything. And so I find I like hopping back and forth. It gives me different outlets creatively. Right. And I, I, you know, I was talking to someone earlier today about this is, um, when the RWA conference was at in San Antonio, there was mm-hmm. a woman who was doing a a talk about um, who has the most staying power, your indie or traditional writers. And this was right mm. when everything was really going like full blown. Everyone was going to go indie, and yep. there was all this discussion with publishers and blah blah blah. And of course, after that conference, a lot of people were like, "Yeah, I don't want to do all that work. It's fine." Um, but 
and there were some that were like, well, I like the indie. And the, everybody was coming into this, this workshop this, or this, conf, this, blah, this talk because they thought she was going to present all this information on writing, How? Uh, the um, romance writing. Well, what she did is she, pub- she came up with all the information of every book ever that's published on Amazon. So you were, she was like, Holy well, the something. majority of the people who publish really only make like, it was like $38. But she was yep. putting everything up there. And yep. so people got up and like half the room got up and walked out in the first five to ten minutes. And wow. I wasn't quick enough to leave. <laughs> so and then I felt bad. I didn't want to, you know, leave because you know she looked kind of devastated. Um, but the the main thing I took from that though was she said the people who have the most staying power are the hybrids, because you have all these baskets. So if you only write for one publisher, that's fine. But if that line goes away, which is what we've yep. seen happen, I've actually um, been in a line now, that got shut down. Right. So where do you go? Um, so yeah. that she was saying that the hybrid writer is the one that will have the most staying power in the market. I can, I can and honestly, absolutely see that yeah. because you're more flexible and more nimble. You can pivot around various different things. I think it honestly, though, really depends on personality because um, I really enjoy doing all aspects of the publishing from, you know, kind of soup to nuts, right? So I love all of that. Right. But I have friends who are so intimidated by – having to deal with every single decision like that, that that's not for them. And that's okay. It's kind of like a whatever works for you to get out there. But I will absolutely agree after seeing, after having experienced being part of a line that shut down and it was, it shut down a month after my first book came out with them that was supposed to be a seven book series. <laughs> and there, you know, that, that series just never went anywhere again after that. It just, cause it took so long to get the rights back and then it took so long no, it was just kind of a, it was a long slog, whereas, but because I had other things in the hopper, it was like, well, that just happened to that, and I'll keep going, um, and it, I think it did help being hybrid for that, or certainly being published with multiple publishers, and mm-hmm. which is a, an odd thing, you know, it used to be very, there was a very much a loyalty base where you were with one publisher, and that's who you were with. Um, right. But I've, I've also will say that I've learned a lot from every publisher and editor that I work with. There's some that I've loved more than others, but I've loved them all. Um, yeah. And I've always learned something new or something different or a different approach or, um, and seeing how everybody kind of can do things all their own way, which has been very interesting. To me, the staying power, honestly, though, has more to do with being able to take the all the rejections and all the slogging through it and this book not selling when you thought it would and this one doing weird things and having no idea why this marketing effort worked and this one didn't and and, and being able to just almost compartmentalize it and say, this is a business I keep going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, yeah. I think every author I've seen that has major staying power, it's because they were like, I just kept going. Yeah. Oh, that's for sure. I mean, you know, I've talked to many people over the years, and, and they like, well, I put one book out, and nobody liked it, so I just never did it again. And I thought, well, that's mm-hmm. just kind of how it goes sometimes. I mean, yeah, everybody's got a book that fell on its face. It's okay. And and yeah, you're absolutely. right. I mean, there, it, but you see that with in any field that you have to put yeah. your baby on the block, as it were, um, that you know, you're really just basically putting your heart out there, and people just have no interest. Um, and yep. it sucks, but or it is what it, it is. Or didn't like it in the way that you thought they would. It's kind of a whatever. Yeah, it is it, exactly. It is what it is. I, it does help now that I've got multiple. Like if 
if they had come back on that first book that I put out there where I was just testing the waters to see if I was decent enough that people would actually not scarf all over it. But, <laughs> you know, if they had been like, this is terrible, horrible writing, and nobody should ever read this person again, I probably wouldn't have continued. Um, yeah. Now, well, you know, I've got enough books under my belt that it's like, if one doesn't do quite as well, I'm like, all right, fair enough. And I will say I can never predict what readers are going to like. Like, almost consistently my favorite book in any of my series is the least favorite book in terms of reviews. Huh. Not wild. Yeah. It is nuts to me. So, uh, and, you know, just It's just different, you know, because it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, this was hands down my favorite book, and why did it, it hit the way it hit with me? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so what has been the biggest surprise regarding, say, like a character? So has there ever been a situation where – You've had people, you know, they love your books and they're, and they're writing to you and they're saying or telling you, what are you going to do with such and such character? And you just look at them like, I wasn't planning to do anything with that character. <laughs> and people are like, but you have to. You know, have you ever had that situation? I haven't so far, but I think because um, I've already, I, almost every character in my head, unless it's a character that I literally name and that's all I do with them is like, it's, you know, Mr. Jones walked into the grocery store and bought, you know, whatever, pig feed behind me, and that's all Mr. Right. Jones does on the page, then okay, whatever. But almost every character that gets something beyond that, I usually add enough to it that I'm like, hmm, I wonder what's going on with this guy. <laughs> so I do it to myself, which is why I keep writing, you know, like I said, I had a, my first book was one where I didn't intend for it to be a series, and then I was like, oh, well, now we can write about all these other people I put in there. <laughs> right. Let's give them some more cousins. Um, yeah. and, and I was laughing about your talk about building worlds and it kind of goes along the same lines of, Oh, there's all these other people. I was, I was talking to Beverly Jenkins not too long ago and I was asking mm-hmm. her about when she's doing her research, how does she keep from going down the rabbit hole? Because yeah. it's so hard because she writes these beautiful historical romances and it's like, how do you not get distracted? And she said, well, there are times that I just have to basically reel myself back because she had yeah. a book she was writing and she's in 1860s or 1880s um, southern Louisiana and it's at night. So she's like, I know there's frog noises. Like, what kind of frog? So she looks up frogs and then she's, and, you know, and then she yeah. realizes there's a guy who had a frog circus. And it's just like, it just, she said, I don't, I don't use any of that. She's like, but after an hour, she realizes that she's been just completely yeah. taken off. Yeah, and um, it and sh- and sh- I said, so what did you end up using? She's like, there were just frog sounds, just frog noises. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've even had moments where, like, I wrote four pages of, isn't this interesting? And then was like, oh, oh no, people are just that's just telling people about a book report, basically. That <laughs> just sit on that topic. Right, but I think sometimes it's healthy for writers because it's for us to get it out of our heads. Yeah, And then I, I've done that to where I've written like huge paragraphs and I'll say, you know, I could just write this in a sentence if they just say something yep. or do something. And so I have to oh, go yeah. back and I'll actually sometimes just cut and pay, you know, cut it out, paste it somewhere else, which, you know, I'm sure I'm thinking I'm going to go back one day and grab this bit of brilliance I've, you know, created <laughs> and then created, just fix yep. it and go, <laughs> go back to the next so, thing. So <laughs> I will actually do that too, but I live in OneNote. And so I have a, a thing on OneNote that is cut scenes and paragraphs 
And, mm-hmm. and I will use that in my social media. So that will go out to newsletters. It'll be like, this was something I wrote that didn't make it into the book uh, about this. Here you go. And readers oh, enjoy that. Oh, wow. I, and I mean, I bet. I bet they do. It's like a little a little extra nugget of something that other people don't get. Yes. They don't subscribe well, to the I'll even show them newsletter. like, this is what the page ended up looking like. This was what it was before I cut this out. So you now I took your organization class um, a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. I was watching it going, holy crap, you're like completely organized. <laughs> I'm just blown away. But um, when you were doing OneNote, you do – so you do a folder, and then you do subcategories under each project. So you would say you're writing, you know, um, book four, and then it would be scenes and cut scenes or whatever under book four. It'd be like a folder under, under that, four. correct? Yep, so I know exactly okay. what it's from, yeah. Because I tend to think more in books, um, and I wouldn't want to have to, because, like, I cut so much, that <laughs> so many scenes eventually, yeah. that um, I, if I had it all in one spot, it would just be never-ending and hard to search through. But if I know that I, I cut that one scene from the enforcer, I'll just go find it. Um, it's much easier to find it that way. Or when I'm doing, you know, when Enforcer finally gets around for release a year after I've turned it in, um, I've got all that there ready to go, and I don't have to go fish it out. And wow. I love OneNote, though. Okay. It's just the way it sets up with the notebooks and then the tabs and then the pages, and you can just – I keep my entire life in that thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and also um, you said you can access it anywhere, which is great because you're not worried about did I put it in the spiral notebook or did – I mean everything yep. right there. What Word document is that? Did I save it in? Did I move it over when I – because I tend to blow through computers pretty quickly. I don't know how. Um, I set one on fire <laughs> on accident. Well, it set itself on fire. It just started smoking, and I was like – What's that? (laughs) I don't know what I do to them, but I'm hard on computers apparently. And and so, you know, if if I didn't have everything already in OneNote and OneDrive, it would I would have to be worried about what I'd lose when I moved things over. And you know, all those 25 books that I started before I ever finished a book are on discs Mm -hmm. somewhere. I have no idea where. I'll never get those books back. Right. Right. So we have about three minutes left. So tell us, um, what is your next project? Oh, I've got a bunch of projects going on. Um, this is my, this is my year of, um, write a lot. Um, let's see. So I just had the cowboy book come out. That was January. And in my dragon sugar world, the next big book that's coming out is the blood King. So that's the follow on to road King. And that's coming out in August. Between now and then, um, my it was called my Legendary Consultant series of novellas. We've now, Entangled has um, contracted those, and we are rewriting them and setting them in my Dragon Shepherd world and re-releasing them. So those are going to get all re-re- okay. re-released between now and August. I have a sweet kitten matchmaker that's coming with Kensington. That's in October. It's Christmas-based. Um, it's about a little kitten matchmaking in a – they're in, like, a and b Victorian B&B. Um, okay. So that, that was fun. And, and let's see what else. And then 2021, also under my sweet name, I have um, Amish romance coming. And so I'm really excited about that. Wow. So you're just, you're just <laughs> busy, busy, busy. Oh, yes. Yeah, very busy. <laughs> but it's a good thing to have. This was what I wanted – this was my dream, what I wanted to do with my entire life. And – it is, I think, you know, every writer will agree that it is an up and down roller coaster of how I'm going to make the money come in part of it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I, you know, it's, 
having the contracts and having the deadlines and things, that's a good thing for me. That's absolutely a good thing. So if you have been listening, you've been listening to Readers Entertainment Radio. I'm Patricia W. Fisher, and this is Abigail Owen. She also writes under Katie Scott. And her most recent book under Abigail Owen, The Rogue King, um, Inferno Rising, book one is out. And then her Katie Scott series is her first or her last book in the uh, Hill, the Hill Family's saga um, for Tule and it's Landing the Lawman and it's got a beautiful cover with lots and lots of blue bonnets on the front and she's got tons of stuff coming up this um, this year and if you're looking for Katie I have all the links to her uh, Facebook her her Twitter her Instagram her website and then you are a really avid Pinterest person too so you can find her there too all the links are in there as well as the link to her books so thank you so much for being on today Katie Thank you so much for having me. Oh, either one. I answer to all names at this point, none of which are my real name, by the way. So, Okay, that's fair. So totally incognito when you're not uh, wearing the writer's hat. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming. And if you are an author and need some help getting organized, she also has Authors on a Dime, which could help you out. So give her a shout, and that link is also in the write-up of the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions www.cosproductions.com Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.